Welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. Today's interview guest is Paco Villa, the Tudayene broadcaster, to talk about the Euros, the Copa America, and the USA-Mexico rivalry. We've had some great guests lately, including Shola Winley, Bruce Arena, and Jamie Vardy, so check those out. Now, here's my interview with Paco Villa. Our guest now is Paco Villa. He's a regular on Through the NA and has worked for more than two decades for Televisa and Univision. Paco, great to see you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Grant. Nice talking to you. I mean, I know your work for a lot of years and, uh, you know, I'm a big admirer of your work. So it's great to be with you. Well, likewise. Thank you so much for saying that. Uh, Looking forward to our discussion here. And and there's a lot to talk about these days. And it seems like through the NA and and Univision platforms are covering everything. Um, You've got the Euros, Copa America, later on the Gold Cup. Um, are, are you able to see all the games right now? That's a challenge uh, for me. It's, it's so complicated. Um, you know, uh, I, I usually have uh, like this uh, uh, day-to-day basics work where I uh, manage my workflow and the agenda that I have. But right now, that is impossible. So I have to wake up earlier than I used to. I have to uh, exercise uh, earlier than I used to. And I start with the, the Euro. And I no, I, I start preparing my games uh, for the next day. Uh, that's what I do first, you know, read papers and that kind of stuff. Then I get into the uh, specific game that I have. Then I watch games uh, while I'm still preparing the game for the Copa America on the afternoon. And then I go to work, then I do the matches, then I come back, then I dine, then I sleep and go back again with that. It's almost like in a World Cup, almost Mm -hmm. like in a World Cup. Yeah, it's incredible right now. And and I, I love the sport. I love watching all the games, but you, you do have to get into a rhythm. Uh, when when major tournaments are going on, you know, and and when I'm sure you found this as well, like when I cover a World Cup, like Russia 2018, I've learned that getting sleep, at least some sleep is important, making sure you remember to eat um, and trying not to get sick, actually, because there's so many people who uh, are are doing the same types of things. we're speaking on Monday, so let's talk a little about the Euros. Uh, what are some of the biggest stories to you right now in the Euros? Well, uh, I mean, the biggest story has been Christian Eriksen and the reaction that the, the whole world, the world uh, of soccer had with it. Uh, everyone that was involved on in that match was wonderful, everyone. Uh, the Denmark team was uh, uh, so, so with the doctors, so uh, fast uh, at acting. The people on the, on the, on the next games and the, the coach, everyone was so involved with it. Uh, that's been like the big story of this Euro. Uh, the second big story has been Italy because Italy has come with a run of uh, 30 matches that are unbeaten. 
They've come with uh, 32 goals uh, that they have scored without conceding one. Um, and they have uh, become this, uh, I mean, we knew they were this offensive team, you know, about a few months ago. We knew that. We, we've seen that. But uh, having them on uh, uh, an important uh, tournament being offensive, I mean, that, that, is, that is weird. I mean, they won, they won the World Cup in 94 by being defensive. They won the, the 2006, I mean, they didn't win, uh, won 94. They won uh, the, the, to be able to play the final match. They won the 2006 World Cup being defensive. And uh, you didn't expect that from them. So those are, for me, the two big stories of this Euro. Yeah, Italy seems more fun maybe than their national team has has always been in the past. And I, I don't, I mean, obviously for Italian fans, it's always fun when your team wins, but um, obviously they didn't qualify for the last World Cup. And I guess one question I have is clearly Italy, nine points, haven't given up a goal yet. One thing I, I, I've seen over the years in the Euros is the team that is the very best through the group stage doesn't always have it carry over to the knockout rounds. And I'm wondering where you stand on this with this Italy team. Do you think this Italy team can carry this form into the knockout rounds? Uh we saw it on, on 2016 with Portugal. I mean, they didn't win a match on the first round. They had three points out of nine. They went to qualify as a best of three, uh, one of the best of uh, uh, third places, and they won it all. I mean, uh, we've seen it. We've seen Italy doing so in, 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 in 82. They did that almost exactly. And uh, of course, we have France, uh, we have uh, Belgium, we have, uh, I don't know if I can say Germany, but what we saw the other day about Germany was fantastic. Uh, but I believe that these guys, I mean, they have Donnarumma in a great, great momentum. He's signing a 10 million euro contract with Paris Saint-Germain. So he's going with confidence, he's doing great. They have uh, great experience in defense uh, with Chiellini and Bonucci. They have a lot of uh, pieces to be able to put on the game on midfield. And they are with Insigne and these guys Immobile, like in a very good shape. So I think that Italy can do it. They sure can do it. But you have a lot of great teams that are coming strong and I don't know. What's going to happen, we don't know. Yeah, no, I can't wait for the knockout rounds. Um, in terms of surprises, whether they're good surprises or bad surprises, um, what would you say from the Euros? I would say, yeah, I would say that, that the Netherlands. I mean, I know that it's been, they have a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, great players, but they just didn't come as a team with Frank de Boer. So what they are doing right now, uh, Memphis, Memphis is, is coming back. I mean, he, he, I'm sure he heard what the, the boys said the other day that he had to pull it on this, on this uh, Euro. 
and he scored this Monday. So they 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 are they are doing a great job. I mean, uh, Wales has surprised me. Uh, Wales, uh, I didn't expect like this kind of game from Wales. Um, I, I don't know if they're gonna be able to 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 do what they did five years ago. But I think I'm going to go for, for for the Netherlands because we didn't expect that much from them. You know, for me also, like, definitely agree on the Netherlands. I thought Turkey would be better. I'd seen them play in, in the World Cup qualifiers earlier this year. They looked good. They're, they, they're young. Did that young aspect maybe hurt them? Because they were just pretty bad. <laughs> In the group, really bad. They, they, they are the, the the big disappointment of this of this Euro. I mean, I mean, they had uh, not such a complicated group with uh, Switzerland uh, versus uh, uh, Italy versus. Um, I mean, th- th- this was not a uh, Wales. This was not a, a a huge group, and they didn't win anything. So they are the huge disappointment of this of this uh, Euro. I'm sure of that. If I had to ask you to pick mm-hmm. one team to win the Euros at this point, what would you say? I, I'm going to stick with France. I mean, I know I said Italy. I know that they, they they are one of the huge stories of this Euro, but I have to stick with France. I mean, they are a complete team. I know that the, most of the, of, the, of the critics are going with them, but I'm going to do that too. I'm going with France. Now, on paper, they're so, so good and, and just fun to watch even if they can get the the three points against Hungary I think they'll end up being okay um and let's move to the Copa America because okay you know, this tournament is is going on right now um it's had a lot of challenges just to, ahead of the tournament to figure out where are they going to play it they've been playing it in Brazil they lost two teams a few months ago uh, Australia and Qatar were going to play in the, in the tournament. So now you've got a long group stage, basically, you know, four match days to eliminate two teams. <laughs> so I, I do feel like once the knockout rounds start, maybe it will be an even, you know, more level, a bigger level of intensity. But we've seen some good games so far. Um, do you think anyone can challenge Brazil? No, 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 not at all. I mean... <laughs> Uh, if you have if you have a, a Messi with Argentina in a very good day, they they can pull it off. I mean, they 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 can do it. Uh, they have found, I think, a very good defense with Romero and uh, Otamendi. Uh, they they are trying to you know test uh, a little bit Montiel on the right back. Uh, Tabliafico, it's also been tested. Uh, with uh, Acuna, and they have a very competitive team. Uh, you must say that Guido Rodriguez came very good on the last match, and I think that if they can have Lautaro, like uh, Lautaro was in Inter uh, in Europe uh, with Messi, I don't know if the Cunagüero is going to start this Monday, but if Cunagüero uh, finds his weight with Messi, you can have a very good team. Uh, I don't see uh, Uruguay. Uruguay has uh, 370 minutes without scoring goal, which, which is so strange for them with Cavani and Suarez. 
Colombia, it's been for me, uh, uh, seeing them play uh, an absolutely uh, disappointment. I mean, they haven't done nothing on these on these matches. They won versus Ecuador, but they didn't deserve to win. And uh, for me, uh, besides Brazil, the story has been Venezuela. I mean, I know Venezuela perhaps is not going to qualify for the next round, but losing 13, 14 players, having Jangel Herrera coming back uh, to play for them and then get injured. I mean, all the great players that they have, Machi, Rondon, all the really good players that they have, uh, either COVID or uh, injured. And you have these guys that never played for Venezuela uh, with no games internationally and uh, being able to, to play like they did versus Ecuador was wonderful. So that's, that's the good stories that you find on this part of the planet called Conmebol, such a strange Conmebol football. <laughs> I, what, what do you think about... Uh... <laughs> It's uh, Wilker Farinez, um, right? The the goalkeeper, the, the the Venezuela player, just like how he's played in this tournament. It's always fun to have surprises. Yes, he 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 made two great saves versus uh, Mateo Uribe the other day of Colombia. He did overall eight great saves. Uh, they pulled the tie and. This uh, Sunday, he did at the last moment of the match a great save uh, uh, to, 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 to get the, the tie versus Ecuador. He's been also great. But let's say he lost the, uh, the opportunity to, to be on the, on the 11 uh, of uh, Peseiro at the beginning of this uh, uh, Copa America. But he gained it back and he fought for it and he, he won it. He, he's not going to get another bench again. Do you think this is the last Copa America for Lionel Messi? Or, or are you, are, how long do you think he's going to play for the national team? Uh, you know, I heard uh, a couple of, uh, of uh, months ago, uh, uh, perhaps years, uh, that he was asked, how long are you going to play for the national team? And he answered the best answer that you can find from a player that represents a country. He said, as long as the national coach considers me, I'm going to be there. So as long as he's a professional, I think that he's going to be considered to the national team. I don't know if he's going to get so many minutes that he has right now. But as long as he's professional, I think that he's going to be called for the national team. So... When he's going to retire, we don't know. Well, you're in Miami. I feel like I should ask. We've seen some reports about Messi's potential new contract <laughs> with with Barcelona. It certainly seems like with Kun Aguero signing with Barcelona that Messi is likely to stay. Um, we've also seen reports that his new contract which sounds kind of complicated, might involve Inter-Miami and after a couple more years with Barcelona coming to Inter-Miami, we've seen Jorge Mas, the the principal owner at this point of uh, of Inter-Miami, basically say he, he hopes that can happen. Um, what do you, do you think that will happen at this point? 
I don't know. I, I, I don't think so. I think that uh, Inter Miami has to solve their own problems and stop thinking about uh, uh, Lionel Messi or any other great player. They have so many problems with Iwain. Iwain didn't make the trip this weekend. I mean, he's he's not fit. And uh, uh, I don't think that Messi, I mean, I know that he loves Miami. We've heard about it. Uh, he loves being in, in the United States. But I don't think he's going to take it for, for, for Miami. I don't think yeah. so. Yeah, I the numbers that I saw in terms of salary of like $73 million uh, are obviously far beyond any money that MLS has ever spent on a player, including David Beckham, the uh, partial owner of, of Inter Miami. So that will be interesting to follow. Um, it, in terms of, you know, Miami seems like it's always had a, a soccer aspect to it over the years, but it, it seems like with Inter Miami coming in, um, you know, obviously CONCACAF is based in Miami. Your media company is based in Miami. Is Miami becoming more and more and more a, a football, a soccer capital? I don't know. Uh, I, I think it could be. Um, you know, they are, they are investing a lot of money on it. And uh, yeah, CONCACAF is based here. I think that we have, I mean, myself and a lot of Mexicans have come to Miami in the last three or four years. We have a lot of uh, people from Venezuela. We have a lot of people from, from Colombia coming right now. I was, you know, hearing some of the statistics, but a lot of people from Latin America is uh, coming as we speak to, to, to Miami, you know, is the, the nearest city or important city from, uh, from South America and uh, not from Mexico, of course, but from South America. So we have a lot of people coming here and they, they love soccer. And, uh, but you have to, you gotta have a, a serious, a serious project. And I don't think that uh, Inter Miami has a, a good has had a good start. I mean, they have to, you know, regroup and invest uh, for better players and more commit more committed players. Even our uh, Pizarro, which is Mexican and was a champion with Chivas, he's not well fit. He's not playing well, and so you gotta have a good team to be able to. Uh, to get the people to the stand. So I think that they are investing. They have that goal, but they haven't been able to put the recipe correctly. Yeah, totally agree with you on that. Um, the Gold Cup is coming after these tournaments. Uh, you'll be involved in that as well. Yeah. We already had a USA-Mexico final recently in the Nations League, which finished 3-2 United States. What did you make of that game? Uh, was out of this league. Uh, let, let me explain this. Uh, we've seen a lot of Mexico versus United States matches that were almost the same script or had almost the same script. Mexico attacking and the United States defending. Uh, don't get me wrong. The United States have had great teams. They have beaten Mexico in very important matches, I mean, the most important match was won by the United States, but by, was won like that. I mean, they had counterattacks with great players that finished the game and killed Mexico. But 
you always had this Mexico with the ball and the United States waiting. This time, I think that Mexico played better. They had the ball more time, but not as much as they used to have. This time, the United States challenged Mexico and they did great, great strategy. That was, let me say, surprising for me that Bert Halter did in that specific match such a great job and the players too. I don't think that Pulisic had a great match, but they they put all the confidence on him on the time that mattered with the penalty kick. So uh, it was a match between European level with uh, the national teams from CONCACAF. Let me put it that way. I saw a very high quality of match and I loved it. And I think that it's not a good beginning because it's not a beginning of the rivalry, but I think it's a restart of a great rivalry. In recent years, Mexico has had the advantage against the United States men's team uh, again. You know, this was the first victory for the United States against Mexico in a competitive game since 2013. Um, you know, there've been a couple of friendly wins, but uh, and, and clearly this United States team is younger uh, and is emerging. Um, what do you see happening in the rivalry in the coming years? I think that the United States need to, uh, their players, their best players, or some of their best players to mature. Uh, I, I, I think that they have three or four already mature players that uh, are going to be stronger in one year, two years for the World Cup. I don't know if the Sergino Test and uh, this kind of young, very young players that already play in great teams are going to be mentally and in their uh, uh, soccer achievements as great as we think they're going to be. But if they can do it, uh, the United States is going to be so complicated for Mexico to, the, to, to beat them. I think that the United States are moving their uh, pieces correctly. I think that Mexico is getting behind a little bit. We still have right now for the next two years, and I think that it can last until the 2022 World Cup, where Mexico... I would put Mexico ahead of the United States, favorite uh, uh, of the United States because of the experienced players, which are playing too at a very high level. But then who's coming behind? And I, I, I can see that the United States have like 25 players coming behind. And I don't see like five or seven Mexican players right now that are coming behind. So if they can mature enough, play good enough, and consolidate the, their, their careers, United States could, uh, I don't know if it's correct to say surpass, I don't know if that's correct, surpass the level of the Mexican team. I hope not. I hope that Mexico can pull it off and, and bring very good surprises to us. We've heard so much about Mexico and uh, El Quinto Partido, the fifth game of, of the World Cup, and Tata Martino has come in. He, he has led this team for, for a while now. Um, 
do you think he's capable of of getting Mexico to the quarterfinals at least? I think he's the correct manager. I mean, we've seen great, great managers coaching Mexico in a World Cup. We've seen Mexico with the advantage um, coming on to that best of 16 matches, uh, being favorite uh, to win it. Uh, we've seen Mexican players being in a great momentum on that part of the World Cup. And we simply haven't been able to win it versus Germany. Uh, Mexico was better on that 90 minutes in 98 uh, versus the United States. We were favorites before the whistle uh, of the referee and we didn't win. Um, but I think that uh, Tata Martino is a great manager. He, he not only manages the, the strategy, he managed uh, the, the Mexican, um, you know, the Mexican uh, players outside. The thing that he's done with Chicharito, I think it's great. Uh, he, he's he's uh, very intelligent about the matter. I know that the pressure is going, is going up, but he's been able to manage it correctly. That's what I think. And I think that Mexico is better with a coach like him than without him. I'm curious to know, and I like to ask the guests that come on this show about their own personal story you know, what is your story in the media? You know, I, I know you grew up in Mexico. But I, I know you cover other sports in addition to, to football. How did you get to, to Televisa in the first place? Well, I, I, I was a, uh, a journalist uh, student uh, when I was driving home every night, which I was from 6 p.m. till 10 p.m. starting. I was working in something else. And uh, I listened to a radio show, which uh, they uh, were, uh, you know, having these trivias. Is it correct to say trivias? Yes. For the Super Bowl. Uh, that was the Super Bowl that uh, the Dallas Cowboys beat uh, uh, Buffalo in Atlanta. That was, I believe, in 94. So I was listening to this show and I answer every day, every night that I came home. Uh, when I got home, the trivia. And uh, I went to this live uh, contest uh, with four other guys at the end of uh, like three months of answering trivias. And I won it and I went to the Super Bowl. And these guys that work in that radio station, they worked in Televisa. So they connect me to the guys that uh, made the important decisions <laughs> on the agenda in Televisa. So they invited me first to work with them at the radio station without paying, of course. And uh, then uh, we had a great relationship uh, and they invited me to meet the correct people in Televisa. So that was uh, after insisting like eight months, you know, knocking the door, please give me an opportunity. Um, 95, I got that opportunity, friend. Fantastic. And, and over the years, what are some of the favorite, most memorable sporting events that you would say you have covered? I have uh, especially three uh, events. Uh, the most important, uh, I would have to say, is the Mexican gold, uh, gold uh, medal in 2012. I, I 
I cover all the six matches that Mexico played directly from the stadium. And I covered uh, the first half. I did the play-by-play of that first half of the Mexican uh, game where Oribe Peralta uh, scored the first goal. So that was that was a great moment. Uh, I, I, I can say that uh, that's the only time that I even cried after after an event and a sports event and was so, so wonderful, so joyful. Uh, the second, the second event I have to say that is Michael Phelps eight uh, gold medals in 2008. I was, uh, I, I had never covered uh, swimming events, uh, uh, but uh, the company thought that uh, because our very great and, uh, marvelous uh, swimming experts were doing the 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 the, the I mean the show uh, on that was the most important part of our income on that on that uh, uh, Beijing Games that someone else had to go to cover swimming so I had the opportunity and I did I did the 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 eight, almost the eight medals. I think I did seven medals, and the last one was was great. So that that would be the second one, and the third one was my first World Cup. I did the play by play in two thousand and six. I didn't expect to do it. I I had a very uh, complicated career to to you know to to scale some positions, and it was very uh, gratifying for me to be able to do that play by play. I've been doing the World Cup since then, but. Uh, that the first one was so, so special for me. Nice. Thanks for sharing that. I, I was in the stadium in 2012 when, uh, uh, when Mexico beat Brazil in the final. And that was just uh, a really, really cool event in, in day for the sport. Um, and, uh, and also actually set up, I think Neymar to have to, to win the gold medal four years later and have even, you know, the meaning with that in, in Brazil, but uh, I guess my last question for you, we have some listeners who are you know, young people who are hoping to get into the media business and, and do what you do. Do you have any advice uh, for, for young people who, who want to do your job? Prepare yourselves, uh, read a lot, uh, do the same uh, preparation and work for every match that you have if you wanted to play by play if you wanted to or be an analyst and uh, enjoy it I mean I think that if you don't have passion for what you do uh, you're not gonna be able to to enjoy it first to accomplish and to uh, accomplish your your uh, your company's uh, uh, goals so be passionate about your work and uh, prepare yourself every event as if it is the most important event of all. Um, I would say that, only that. Fantastic. Well, Paco Villa is a regular on Do They NA, and they'll be covering, are covering so much soccer this summer, the Euros, Copa America, Gold Cup. And uh, you can see him on so much of that coverage. Paco, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Grant. Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall. I'd like to thank Paco Villa, as well as producer Chris Whittingham. If you like the podcast, you could do me a huge favor and hit that subscribe button and provide a rating and a review. I'm back soon with another interview of someone from the soccer world. 
Be safe, everyone. See you next time.